As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, folks, thanks for joining us today, Dr. Doug Radio and Inspire Vision. And I'm really excited to have a gentleman with us by the name of James Perpera. James, how are you doing? Dr. Doug, I'm great. How are you doing today? Good, doing well. And, and James, you're the CEO of, a uh, co-CEO, i got to make sure, because your wife's not with you today, but you are co-CEO, I would assume, of PowerfulU.com. Yeah, Powerful Dash, the letter U, um, as in Powerful U. The listener, right? Yeah. And so, I'm this. You know, I guess I am the CEO. She would be the co-founder as well. Okay, sounds so. good. Yeah, I'm sorry she wasn't able to join us today, but uh, you got a bunch of kids, don't you? Well, it's, yeah, and she's she actually doesn't have a voice today. She's been she's she got something over the weekend and lost her voice, so she wouldn't be very <laughs> fun to have on. Okay, that's fine. Well, anyway, so what? A, you know, you you put out a movie which, um, you know, hopefully we can let the people know that are listening how they can access that. I watched it. It is incredible. And I would just love for you to kind of share in a synopsis way your story and, and the story of Steph, who's your wife, and, and kind of help the audience to understand where you came from originally. Right. You know, I always I struggle with this because I don't want to give away the punchline of the movie, right? But the... <clears throat> Essentially, our movie is called Perception Seen as Not Believing, right? And the title itself is pretty intriguing uh, because we've been told our whole lives. So the narrative we've always said is, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, right? And the yeah, answer right. is, is that true? And the opposite is actually true. You'll see it when you believe it. And um, so our whole goal and mission with everything we do here at Powerful You is to challenge people on a very fundamental level to challenge, first of all, to be open to sharing their story because we think that stories can, you know, really bring people together. Uh, the other side of it is to challenge what they know to be true on every level, right? To constantly question 
the narratives and stories they tell themselves, the things they've believed their whole lives, and orders shape and change their life. And so as a part of the book and the movie, um, you know, Steph and I share our stories in, in both the book and the movie, and they're pretty traumatic stories, to be honest with you. You know, my story starts in kindergarten. I, when I was in kindergarten, um, my teacher, my kindergarten teacher, um, on the first day, I, it became apparent that I had a lot of learning disabilities. And the first day I was supposed to go to the special ed class, which is what they called it back then. She brought me up in front of the room and she said to me, she said, you know, did you know that only stupid and retarded kids go to special ed? Right. I was just like shocked. I was standing there and I didn't even know what to think. And so she told me to leave the classroom. And as I was leaving the classroom to go to the other classroom, she made every kid in the class call me stupid on the way out the door. And it was just, it, it was every bit as horrific as you might think it sounds right now. And, oh, yeah. you know, of course I went home and I told my mom, but my mom was an undiagnosed bipolar manic depressive. She didn't have the capacity to handle a problem of this magnitude. You know, she was a shut-in. And so my stepdad worked 17 hours a day, and my dad was off partying and doing drugs. So there was really nobody in my life to help me. And so I remember I went back to school the next day, and I thought, okay, maybe it was just a one-time thing. And it, it wasn't. Every day when I would go to the special ed class, she'd call me up in the front of the room. She'd tell me I was stupid. She'd tell me I was retarded, and she'd make the entire class tell me I was stupid on the way out the door. And that's pretty much how my journey in school, um, you know, continued, Right. And, you know, the ironic thing was I was so excited to go to school because I had an older brother who's two years older. And I was like, Mom, I want to go so bad, right? And, you know, that, you know, that wasn't obviously a great experience. But the reason our movie is about perception is, and, you know, there's a narrative that plays out here, is that from that point, right, you know, at some point in the future, I ended up on drugs, and I ended up going to jail, right? And so right. on my way into jail, I really upset the wrong police officer, and I ended up in solitary confinement for 14 months. And so the idea is that we want to share with people is the underlying theme between behind everything we do is if your life is not what you want it to be, it's not because you've done anything wrong. It's because you made the only decision you could with the information that you have available to you, right? And so the question is, where do we get that information? And that information is our perception. And so essentially what, what we're trying to show in the movie is everybody's got a story, Doug, everybody, right? We all have things in our lives, challenges that we face. And, you know, it doesn't matter how dramatic those, those stories are. They're dramatic to us. And everybody's on a path to somewhere. And so I think that we all like to pretend that life is some great mystery, right? But right. it's really not, right? I mean, you can actually use simple math to calculate how your, your life is going to turn out. Everybody's on a path to somewhere. And if you spend about 30 seconds being brutally honest with yourself, you can dictate what your path is. And so what I would say is that you have a relationship path, and it's easy to dictate. You know, are your relationships better right now than they were this time last year? Are they better or are they worse, right? If you continue that current trend, where are they going to be from a year from now? Do you, do you have more money, right? 
or less money than you did this time, this time last year. If you continue that current trend, where are you going to be right now? Because I think that people think in the active God version of change. At some point, something's going to come along and zap me, and then all of a sudden everything will be different. Well, that something's never coming along. You are on a path to somewhere, and without interruption, you are going to end up in that place. And so the question is, is what dictates your path? And so there's an experience that I had in jail, and this was really the epiphany for me, okay. right? Yeah. So I'm sitting in jail, and, you know, shortly after getting there, I get a letter from my dad, and he's like, hey, don't waste your time there. And I took that to heart after being depressed for a few weeks. And I got all these books, and I started meditating and doing different things, you know, working out in my cell. And, and one day, I was writing this long list of people who, for, uh, who I felt like had harmed me. Because what was important to know about me is that I felt very much like a victim because I had a lot of bad right. things happen to me, yeah. right? And rightfully so. And, and it's easy to feel like a victim. Absolutely. Because you have every reason to justify feeling that way, right? And so I had a exactly. lot of bad things happen to me. So I was like, well, okay. You know, I felt like the world was happening to me, not because of me. But I looked down this sheet of paper and it was a long list of people who had harmed me. And I was going to try to offer these people forgiveness, this list I wrote. And I looked down and I had this epiphany, and here's the epiphany. What if somehow, no, the epiphany was, in every, in every one of these situations, the only common denominator is me, right? What if I somehow created this? What if all of this was my fault? And then I really thought about what that meant, right? And so I either created all of it or created none of it. Right. You can't create some of your life. Right. Right. And so I was like, OK, well, if that's true, what does that mean? And I was like, well, if I created none of it, then that means the world really is a really crappy place because I had a crappy life and I probably didn't want to be here anymore because that just meant that I didn't have any control over the circumstances that surrounded me. But if I did accept the fact that I created all of it, it meant that I could learn the mechanism behind how you create your life and create something new in its place. But it also meant something else, Doug. It meant I had to take responsibility for everything that ever happened to me. And that was pretty heavy because I had a pretty, you know, I was sitting in jail, right? And so, yeah, yeah. you know, as I thought about those two things, it was on that day that I chose to decide that I was the creator of my experiences. And even if I didn't know what that meant, I was going to figure out how I created those experiences, and then I was going to create something incredible in its place. And it wasn't so much long, further down the road that I just fully discovered what the power of what I did, which was taking responsibility, right? The power of taking responsibility for everything. And, you know, I think that's such a big narrative inside of people's lives is how do we take how do we take ownership of things? Well, and, you know, that's that's what makes it really tough, because as you think about that and, and again, because I've seen the movie, I, I really understand what you're talking about. As you look back at as that child in the school as a student and that teacher is just basically saying you're stupid, um, you know, quite frankly, she is responsible for being well, I'm not going to say it on because we're being recorded here, but but she's responsible for not understanding that there's different ways that young people think. 
I, I have a son who I would refer to as a spatial thinker. And if I hadn't understood that process long ago, he would have been in the same boat you are. But, you know, here you are thinking a different way. They're trying to label it as some type of learning disability. Well, it's only a learning disability because, quite frankly, there's only one way they know how to teach. And you didn't fit right. into that yeah. pattern, you know. So you look at that and it's like, and, and I want to really help have you clarify this, because as you say, take responsibility for what's going on. The reality is, is that it it happened. All right. That so, yeah. event so, actually so what, happened. What am I taking responsibility for? Exactly. That's what I want you that's to clarify. Important. That's important to understand. And so I'm going to push back with a question, which is what? is the thing that created my life, right? Because there is a direct correlation between that experience in kindergarten and me ending up in jail. And it would be ridiculous to think there wasn't, right? So did the abuse, was the abuse the creative element of my life? And the answer is no. And if it were, then I would be stuck forever because I right. can't go back and change the abuse. And so what is the creative element of my life? And here's what I would say. There's a lot of people listening that may have, everybody's had bad things happen to them, right? That were very much out of their side of their control. Absolutely. But the difference is not everybody has allowed those bad things to destroy them, right? And so why does one person take a really tough situation or an abusive situation and allow it to empower them and another person take a very abusive situation and allow it to destroy them? And that's the answer to the question, was it wasn't the abuse that created my life, it's what I chose to believe about myself because of that abuse that created yes. my life. Yes, and as a child, I'm not sure you had much opportunity to believe anything else, but obviously as you grew and as you matured and as you went through the process in prison, uh, all of a sudden, you you came to a realization that is highly significant. Right, but let's go back because I want to make sure that we're very clear here. Okay, because right. I think that you you uh, in a way kind of cheapen the experience because I want to explain to you because okay. I agree. With oh, I'm sorry. So we make the argument all day long that okay, here I am, a five year old child, right? Here's a person of authority telling me every day that I'm stupid, right? Right. And so you're right. I made the most logical conclusion, right? Yes. But the important point is that it was my choice. Yes. Right? It was my choice, right? So that was within my power. So what do I have to own responsibility for? I don't have to own responsibility for my abuser or her actions. I have to own responsibility for my choice to believe something about myself that wasn't true. And that choice is what created my life, not the abuse. And why the reason that's so important in that, that slight narrative, right? I made the most logical decision based with the information I had, but that's all we ever do. And so the reason that's important is because I was in control. I just didn't know it, right? I had choice. Yes, Even absolutely. if I didn't recognize it which means I created my life, not the teacher, right? And so the question is, is <clears throat> you know, the, look, bad things happen to all of us, 
right? They do. Bad things happen to good people all of the time. You, if, if somebody listening today feels like they're a victim, right? And that life is unfair. The truth is life is unfair. It's not whether life is fair or unfair. It's not whether bad things happen to some of us and not all of us. It happens to all of us. The question is, is does believing it's unfair serve you? Right? And the answer to that question is no. Because you're going to focus on the thing that you have no power over. Right? And so essentially, you have every reason, almost every person that's walking this planet has every reason they need not to get out of bed every day. Life is shitty. People are mean. I'm sorry for the language. Like, you know, no, I don't have fine. like, right? But it's like, I don't, God, you know, the world is harsh and it, there's more than an evident, enough evidence to support that. But the question is, is that the most empowering way to look at it? And the answer is no, because there's also evidence to support that it's great and it's wonderful and that people are great and there's magic and miracles unfolding all around us. The question is, what dictates those things? Well, and that's interesting. You know, I was in church last Sunday, and uh, you happen to live in a very religious state. I know that. And, so I do. And, you live in the same state. So we're, yeah. And we're, I, hear, I hear this comment so often. God put me into this situation, or God, you know, allowed this to happen, and so on and so forth. And, and when I heard... To God. Now we're know, to God. When I heard that, it's like... No, no. You know, I, like you say, shit happens. It just happens. So, you know, the minute you start saying this happened because of this or this happened because of that, you have become a victim. That's what you're really saying, right? right? Yeah, I mean, so that narrative drives me crazy, right? Because when yeah. people say God did it, you know, God is offering me. No, God didn't do this, right? God only ever says yes, because... Essentially, you want to suffer? Sure, you can suffer. You want to think that you're a victim and live out that life of suffering and pain that goes along with it? You can do it, right? You know, it's, it's always amazing to me, this, this narrative. It's like, people think that life is a mystery. And I'm like, okay, well, let's take an example of that, right? So take somebody who's smoked for 30, 40 years and, you know, has ate horribly and they get heart disease or cancer. And they're like, oh, my God. You know, the narrative's like, why is God, God gave me this challenge, right? Or why is this happening to me? What did you think was going to happen, right? One plus one always equals two because you are on a path, right? And those paths are dictated by your choices. But the question is, what dictates your choices, right? Well, what dictates your reality? Yeah. And the question that, that I hope you can discuss with, with the audience is, at what point in time can you reframe in your mind the fact that, you know, this really is a result of my agency, of my choices? I've made certain choices in my life, thus this is what I'm experiencing. And then how on earth do they finally come to the realization like you did that, you know what, this is a result of my own behavior and I can change that and I can change my perception. Well, see, this is where it gets really tricky, okay? Yeah. It's not tricky. Once you understand the whole concept, it, it isn't tricky because, you know, it's this idea of choice. Do you have choice, right? Yes. And so the vast majority of us think we have choice, right? 
when we actually don't because we've passed on those choices. And so we're allowing the world to choose for us, right? And so that's number one. But here's a saying that dictates everything we do. If your life is not what you want it to be, it's not because you've done anything wrong. It's because you made the only inf- you made the only decision you could with the information that's available to you, right? Just like that kindergartner, right? We can make the argument that was all that was available. I made the decision yeah. based on right. the information, right? Now, if I would have had a a parent that was aware of what you're aware of and would have stepped into that situation and said, whatever that woman is feeling or saying to you has nothing to do with you, right? You are, in fact, smart. You are. This is, you know, and had protected me in that situation, then I wouldn't have continued down that path, right? Because I would have been made aware of a different choice to be made. But I didn't have that, so I went down that path. Exactly, exactly. So, so that's the underlying principle, underlying perception is that you do not see reality, right? And so... What do you see? You see an assumption of what you believe reality to be based on what? Your past. And so what happens to people is they actually get caught in a loop. And we call this loop a perception loop because every day they have similar experiences. Their mind places the same meaning on those experiences as they did yesterday. And your mind assesses that meaning and makes the same decision. So you get caught in this loop. It's like wash, rinse, repeat. Right. And the reason you're caught in this loop is because you assume you see reality when, in fact, you don't. Right. You see an assumption of what reality is. But what if that assumption is wrong? So I'm going to tell you an idea, Doug. I want you to toss this around with me a little bit. But you've never made a bad decision. Not only have you never made a bad decision, unless you're mentally ill or a sociopath, you're not even capable of making a bad decision. Do you believe me? I do. Yeah, I, I, I believe you in a sense that I think that we we all make decisions in our lives based, as you say, on our perception of what life yes. is. And therefore, you can't say I made a bad decision because based on where you were at that given time and perception, you made a decision. Now, you can look back at it and say that that decision probably was not in my best interest now that I am a little bit more aware and understand what's going on. At least that's right. what I would say. You may disagree right. with that. Well, why is it so important to understand that? And here's where you've never made a bad decision. You've only ever made decisions based on bad information. You know, when I tell people that narrative, like, I feel like I made a lot of bad decisions. And why is it important to understand why? And is it just phonetics that we're talking about here? And the answer is no. And here's the difference is we all make decisions the same way, Right. We look at all the available information and we make the best decision we can or the decision we believe is in our best interest at that time. And so a bad decision would be literally making a conscious decision to, to do something that's not in your best interest. People don't yes. do that, right? And so that's a bad decision. You only ever make decisions based on bad information. And so what's the difference? The difference is and the understanding of the difference, why this is important, is because that means there's nothing wrong with you, right? That you, like me and all of your listeners, are, are do, making good decisions, but we're making them based off of bad information, right? And so the difference is, is that you can fully understand that there's nothing wrong with you. It's only an information problem. I, I love that distinction, by the way. Thank you. I think that's a great distinction. 
There's nothing wrong with you. It's just the information you're sourcing for your decisions. I mean, I ask people sometimes, I'm like, okay, I'm going to hand you a piece of paper. And on this piece of paper is all of the data that you need to make an, inf a, an informed decision about the question I'm getting ready to ask you, right? And so I slide the piece of paper over to somebody and I said, okay, if, if what, what are you going to do? You're like, well, I'm going to read this data. And then what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to make a decision based on this information. I said, well, what if that data is wrong? They're like, uh, what's going to happen to the decision? Well, it's also going to be wrong, right? And I'm like, that's your life, right? Is that you're making decisions based off bad information. Where do we get that information? Oh, by the way, it's our perception that delivers us that information. And so here's what people ought to know about perception. Here's the way perception works. Is I want you to imagine when you walk into a room that your mind has the ability to take in millions of bits of information a second, right? And so it's literally taking in everything that's happening. It's getting recorded in your subconscious mind. So your perception's job is to take all of that information and compress it down to the most inter interesting pieces for your conscious mind to do. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Do. But what it basically does is your mind does something similar to a Google search. And it goes, oh, hey, this is new. And it goes, no, I've had a similar experience. So it goes in your mind. It races for experiences were similar to this one. And it delivers the same meaning as the last time you had this experience, right? And you're like, oh, okay, I know what this means. But because this happens totally instantly and outside of your, of your knowledge, you just figure this is what it actually means, right? And so the question is, what if the, what if the memory or information that your mind accessed in that moment was wrong, right? then your interpretation of the situation is wrong. And now you're going to make a decision about that interpretation based off bad information. And how I help people understand this a little bit easier is this way. We all have that crazy friend, right? The one who just, whenever you're in a situation, they're like, I know what's going on here. And they throw something out and you're like, what the hell? Where did you come up with that? Right? And you're like, and so the question is, is that we reject that person's idea. No, that's not what's going on. That's crazy talk. But we never reject our own, right? You are your crazy friend. That's because we have this feeling. I think it's natural human tendency to always want to be right. And so whatever those feelings are, we're right. And yes. boy, that, that can be really dangerous as you're talking about, it's particularly as it causes us to perceive what's going on uh, in a way that may not be in our best interest. Okay, so let me, so let me, <clears throat> I'm going to challenge your listeners for a second.
Okay. And I'll ask you a question, Doug. Can you have the thing you want most in the world sitting right in front of your face and just not see it? Oh, I think so. Okay. And, and, right. so and, and you see it, but you don't recognize that that's what it is. Right. And so we tell a really simple story to illustrate this, right? And the story is, I want you to imagine a guy, this guy wants more than anything to be loved, to be in a relationship, yet he has super low self-esteem, bad image of himself. One day he walks into a store, he walks up to the counter, and the girl behind the counter starts flirting with him. My question for you, Doug, is does he see it? Does he recognize the girl who's flirting with him? No, probably not. And this is where we're going to get into choice. So if he doesn't recognize that the girl is flirting with him, does he have the choice to flirt back? He has the choice to flirt, to initiate flirting. No, to flirt back. Oh, no. No, he doesn't if he hasn't recognized that she's flirting with him. Right. So people are always talking about, well, you had choices. Well, he doesn't actually have the choice because he doesn't see what's unfolding in front of him. So the second question is why? Well, because I said he has a little self-esteem. And this, if you understand and you said he probably doesn't see it like most people do, then you understand perception. It's that his belief of low self-esteem is preventing him from seeing the thing that he wants most right in front of his face. So his beliefs are essentially getting projected onto the screen of the world and he's interacting with his beliefs all the time. He's not actually interacting with the world. He has no access to it. He's only interacting what, with what his belief of the world, what the world is. And so in this situation, the girl's there and she's flirting with him, but he can't see it because of his low self-esteem. And so the question I always ask people is like, what if that's happening to you? And, and, they, they're like, what? and I'm like, it is happening to you every single day. And that's life. Because we live in this world of infinite possibilities. So the question is, why doesn't he see it? And the answer is because he doesn't believe it's possible. And so the title of our book is Perception Seeing is Not Believing. Well, what is it? Believing is seeing. Because you can only, your perception works in a limited field just like your eyesight. You can only see what you believe to be possible. The less likely you believe it, the less likely you are to see it. The more likely you believe it, the more likely you are to see it. And so essentially, why? And it's actually just, it's a capacity thing. Your mind does not spend waste energy looking for things it doesn't believe are possible. Just like you wouldn't waste your energy going to the end of a rainbow looking for a pot of gold because you don't believe it's there. So you won't put energy or resources to it. And You're so you're, what's that? A pot of gold isn't at the end of the rainbow? No, unfortunately it's not. Oh Unless, man. Maybe it is because nobody's ever looked for it before, Doug. But exactly. I mean, that's the point is like, why would you look for things that aren't possible? It's not on the lookout for it. That's why the guy doesn't see the girl flirting with him. In your mind, everybody's mind works the same way. And so you said something really important. Why are we stuck? And we're stuck because we're right, right? Yes. I see reality. I know what's going on. My favorite, my favorite narrative around this being right thing is, is, you know, I tell people like, well, what do I have to do to, to change and to shift and to change? Well, you got to admit that you're wrong. Well, what am I wrong about? Just about everything. Every, there's always more information available. And so what is it? Is that you have to move out of the knowing into the unknowing. 
And so in every given situation, you have to allow your mind to step back and go, I know there's more here, right? What am I feeling? What am I seeing? What am I, what am I missing in this situation? And we're so obsessed with being right that we get stuck in this narrative of, 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 you know, I know everything. So therefore, if you know everything, then your current experience is as good as it's ever going to get. Because, That's right. right, it's based, everything you are right now is based on what you know. But where this, this idea gets super interesting is in the idea of, you know, seeing differently. You know, there's always more information around you. But you know what? That's a real challenge. And and I just did a vlog last week about this very topic because, um, as you know, I've worked a lot with business owners, small business owners and so forth. And, and I had come to the conclusion years ago that the biggest challenge that they have is their mindset. Yes. And, and it's like, here they are getting this result and they don't want the result. And so they're spending money, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're hiring new people, they're doing all of that kind of stuff when they don't realize that all they have to do is go back to themselves and be as humble enough, teachable enough, uh, not be the no best, and literally realize, you know what, my results are a basis of my belief systems. But here's the, here's the question I want to ask you. So as the people are listening to this, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm going, oh my goodness, you know, I'm in deep, deep, deep trouble here. Um, how on earth, how on earth do they first of all take the time and, and are they willing to take the time to say, okay, here are the results of my life. Here's what I'm experiencing. How, how do they, because a lot of people have a struggle with this, how do they look at that and go, that's not what I want, and I'm got to, I know, now I'm learning that I have to take responsibility for that very thing that's occurring. How do they, first of all, get to the point where they're willing to take responsibility and start to be humble and teachable? And then you have an incredible process that you teach people about as far as meditation, meditation type of yes. process that helps them to go back and do that. And as you talk about that, one of the questions that came to my mind as I, as I was listening and watching your video and so forth was I recognize the meditation process to some degree. Um, is it easy for them to do it by themselves or is there value in having someone like you or your company help them in that process and kind of guide them in that process initially so that they get a better result? So the answer is that the, the way that we design that process is so that people could facilitate it themselves because we're all about empowering the individual, right? One of the things that we're dedicated to here at Powerful You is guru-less personal development, right? Right, because it's not about, you know, it's not called James Purper International because it's not about me. It's called Powerful You because it's about you. You know, I was giving a speech and I walked off the stage recently and the guy goes, are you the guy we've been waiting for? I'm like, no, you are, right? We need you, right? And so everything we do is to be able to facilitate you, the, the sketch, the, the, we do have 
as a part of our coaching program, we're getting ready to release, we teach that meditation process. But really what it is, is, is empowering you to take control of your life and narrative. But I'm going to give your viewers one simple thing. And you said something interesting. And it was, why don't people take responsibility? And actually, the answer to the question is much simpler than what we think, Doug. It's because I, why would I take responsibility for something if I didn't know how to change it? That would just cause me more suffering, right? Because essentially, it's like, well, I take responsibility for all this stuff, but I don't know how to change it. So it's just like, oh, yep, I created a pretty crappy life for myself. I'm going to sit around with that. And so understanding that ownership is power, right, is number one. But there are easy things that people can do to start changing and shifting their life today. So my wife and I adopted a belief when we started on this journey, and we didn't understand the power of the belief, but it was everything happens in our best interest, Right. And so why was that such a powerful belief, right? And it's very simple. It's because anytime something bad would happen, we tell ourselves over and over and over again that everything happens in our best interest and we would keep our field of perception open, right? And something good would happen and we'd be like, see, it happens in our best interest. So were those two things connected? And the answer is it doesn't actually matter and probably not. The answer is that we stayed open. That's what allowed us to see the next opportunity. So, Because here's what I'm going to tell your audience, and here's the easy shift. Here's what's important to understand is that your perception works like your eyesight in a limited field, right? You, you can only see what you believe to be possible. But what opens up that field is pos opens up the field of possibilities is positivity. Negativity closes down the field. And so... I don't know about you, but I've met a lot of pessimists in my life. And no pessimists actually admit to being pessimists. They always say the same thing. I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. I just like to deal in facts. That's right. And the thing that cracks me up about that is what the pessimist slash realist fails to understand is that their pessimistic view of the world is no more or less view real than my optimistic view of the world. It's all based on perception. Right. And so there is no there is no access to reality for that. But there is a cost to being negative or pessimistic. And so there's this whole positive psychology thing. But why is it so important? And I'm going to give your your people an understanding of the cost of being negative or being a pessimist. And here it is, is that negativity closes down your field of perception right? Positivity opens up your field. And so essentially what happens is, is this. When a pessimist or a negative person looks at a situation and is drawn to the most negative circumstances in that situation, puts all of their attention there, they actually make the most negative outcome more likely, right? Yes. yes. Because it's all they can see. And what do they act on? What they see, right? That's why seeing is not believing. And so what the person who's positive or optimistic does is it literally opens up their field of perception so they can see all of the possibilities that surround every situation and they can make an informed decision. Now, will it change the decision? The answer is no, but at least they will have options. So negativity closes down, positivity opens up. So any listeners out there that are that pessimist, 
it's costing you dearly because you cannot see the infinite number of possibilities that surround you. And that's why that simple story was, you know, when we believe this idea that everything happened in our best interest, does everything happen in our best interest? Probably not, right? But what did that belief do for us? What it did was it kept our field of possibilities open, right? And so when something good would come along, right, we would be in a space to be open enough to see it and act on it. Whereas had we gone negative and shut down our field, we've never seen the possibility, right? And, be so and because you saw the possibility, you have had an amazing, quote, successful life. You've had your own company, you've sold it, you're now doing this. Um, and, and in my mind, one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you so badly was this concept of how people make differences in other people's lives. And here you are having sold a tech company, as I understand yep. it, and yet here you are now focusing on helping others to be able to experience life in a positive way and to, as you say, open up their perception to the point where they can experience a lot of joy and, and love in their lives as well as success, if that's what they choose to have. Um, yes. It, it's amazing. And you know, unfortunately, we're running out of time. Uh, I think we could go on for about three or four hours on this one. <laughs> uh, we, we could. And so there's a couple of things, and this is what I will tell your listeners and I will leave them with is the thing that I decided in that jail cell, I was going to figure out the creative mechanism, what creates our lives. Shortly after getting out of jail, I met my wife and she joined me on this journey. And we, it took me nine years from getting out of that jail cell with a fifth grade education to go from where I was to my first million dollars. Right. And so, and I never stopped from there. And so when we sold our tech company about a year and a half ago, we decided we wanted to give back. Yes. And so what I, what are we giving back? And here's what we're giving back is people spend so much time. They either, either don't know there are things that dictate how your life turns out, right? And they don't spend any time looking at them. Or they spend so much time trying to figure out how to do something that they very, spend very little time, in this case, living the life, right? And so we went through and we literally unwrapped the mechanics of how you create your experience. And there's two things that dictate your experience. There's your perception and your emotions. You know, we've covered a perception pretty thoroughly to a certain degree, but there's a lot more around it, right? Oh, it's absolutely. being open to question everything, to question all of your beliefs. And by doing that, opening up a, new, a whole new sense of reality. The second thing is emotions. And I'm just gonna leave you with this. is It's a tragedy how much we misunderstand our emotions. Emotions are there to tell you that there's something wrong on the inside, not on the outside. But us as human beings have been taught from a very young age to blame our emotions on others and make their emotions about us. But the cost of doing that is that you're missing the valuable information that your emotions are telling you about what you believe because your emotions are into your subconscious mind. And so we have to stop making our emotions about other people and stop making their emotions about us. Because in your emotions, you can unlock your truth, right? And so when you get the combination of perception and emotions and you start to understand these concepts, that is your life. Everything that you see, everything that you are, right? And everything that you do is dictated by your perception and your emotions give your life the only meaning they have. That's literally the mechanism of your life. So you can either, from this day forward, if you're listening 
this is you can go watch a movie or you can read our book, right? Go to our website and we will tell you the mechanisms for which you create your life. Or you can spend the next 17 years trying to figure it out yourself. Or you can right. spend about two weeks reading it in the book because you don't have to figure it out. And we, we converse with the, the best scientists in the world to confirm that all of this stuff is true. Now, is the book only available on your website at this point in time? So the book actually officially releases on November 12th, which is about okay. two weeks from today. And you can get it on barnesandnoble.com. You can get it on amazon.com. Great. And we actually don't sell it on our website yet. We will in about a week. I've, getting, I've got physical copies here. If you want to get it sooner, okay. you'll be able to order it in about another week. Um, but you can order it from Amazon and those places. But our, the movie is only available on our website. You can, right. you can view the movie on our website. Um, next week, we have an app releasing that's a bunch of content. It's kind of a content Netflix type thing for personal development. Mm -hmm. You can download the movie into the app. You can watch it offline. But it'll, that app will be on every phone, every TV device. You can view and screen the movie at our website. It's for sale there right now for twelve ninety nine. And I promise you it'll be money well spent. I think, I think you enjoyed the movie, didn't you, Doug? Oh, it was amazing. And, folks, I, I have to tell you that uh, it, it's a bit long. It was actually a bit long. And, but I sat down, and it's like, all right, got to watch this thing. And it, it gripped me immediately. And it was just like, all right, I'm not going to stop. I want to see the end of this. And I imagine the book, especially if you're basing it on some scientific evidence, which is important for a lot of people, uh, I think this can be a game changer in people's lives. And, and I have to give lods to you uh, and your wife, Steph, for what you two have put together and, and being the team that you are that have created this type of situation where you can really help people to start experiencing a different life. And one yes. that actually brings joys and happiness to their lives. So, Doug, I'm glad you pointed out the movie was a little long. And I'm sure after watching it, what would you cut? Right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You see, that, that's, that's the challenge. There's no way you could have really cut anything there. And When we and said that, it was at four hours, too. We were like, oh, how do we cut? Uh, yeah. We had, well, to cut, had to cut it down to two. And so thank you. Thank you for saying that. that those are kind words. And so, yes. You know, this has been a it's been a tough journey, and, and the book and the movie will give you a framework for which you could change your life. But I do want to say one more thing to your listeners, Doug, and this is it. Look, I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're feeling. I don't listen. I know that you're in pain. I know that some of you listening to my voice today are considering committing suicide. I know that some of you listening to your voice, my voice today, feel hopeless and you feel alone and you feel like nobody sees you and I want you to know that I see you and that there is hope and that you can change, right? And that even if your life has always been full of pain and disruption and resistance, that there is a different side of the coin. And I want you to know you're not alone. And there are a lot of people that feel exactly the way you did that, that, that are transforming their life. So. I want you to know that there's hope yes. and we are here to help you because one of the things you brought up, Doug, and I think this is, I'm going to leave, I'm going to end on this, but the biggest problem I see in society is that we're asking the wrong question, right? And this is what people don't understand. And this dictates they're in pain. When you're in pain, you only ask one question. If you and I are playing basketball, Doug, and I stomp on my foot and break, break your toe, you're in pain. The only thing you're thinking about is your pain, 
Rightfully so. That's what you should be thinking about. But emotional pain is the same way. And so what are you looking for? Now you're going to go to the doctor and you're going to say, can you help me get out of pain? But with emotional pain, it actually works the opposite way. We're all asking the wrong question. We're asking, what can you do for me? The right question is, what can I do for you? Yes. Because by helping me, by helping you find your way out of pain, I'm also find, helping myself find my way out of pain. And so success was only ever about service, right? You don't have the most. You don't give the most because you have the most. You have the most because you give the most. And right now, if you have a roof over your head and you have food on your table, right, you're living in abundance, right? And that may not be where you want to be, and it might not be the quality of life that you want, but that is a starting point. And from there, you can build anything. James, thank you. Thank you. This, is, this has been amazing. And, and like I say, kudos to you and your wife. Uh, and folks, hopefully the whole goal of this today is for you. If you're feeling that, reach out to James. Reach out to the company, PowerfulU.com with a dash in between Powerful dash U. The letter U. The letter U, yeah. Com, yeah. Letter U.com. Reach out, and quite frankly, it, it can be a major blessing in your life. So thanks for listening to us today. Uh, we look forward to having you join us again. And James, thank you so much for your insight uh, and your thank gift. Thank you. Uh, you know, I always love recognize a fellow seeker and brother, and I appreciate your time today. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.